And now for something completely similar. I sing it live now, Jason. <laughs> yes, finally. Finally, your goal has been reached. <laughs> that's, what the, that's what we've been kickstarting is uh, a live version of that every <laughs> yeah, week. I'm getting money for singing the theme song live. Well, but next week we're going to have an entire marching band in here to do it. Well, yeah, our mariachi band in the back will be helping us a out. A mariachi version of the, of the Grenadiers theme? Our mariachi marching Fucking band. Fucking right. Yeah. I'm down for that. And they're all dead. Remember oh. from the mausoleum. Oh. Okay. Everybody around us is dead. Is that a Coco we reference? Are surrounded by I death. I don't know. I mean, yes, every day. We're getting real deep here early on, Brendan. Well, this is a podcast, Jason. Yeah, about movies, not about, about death. Well, I mean, there's death in some of these movies. I mean, most. It, it, was there? I don't feel like anybody's died in the movies we've watched so far, have no, they? None of them? They just got knocked out. Remember, Ray, Ray That's what finds, my mom told me. Ray finds shit himself in English Patient. You remember that? But he, but he didn't die, did he? I mean, I guess he... I mean, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't really understand death, is what I'm saying. He just took a bunch of morphine and lived. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that solves all your problems at the end of the day. Uh, so, yes, this is a podcast. This is a podcast where we advocate the use of morphine. <laughs> it's called For Scream. And Contra. And generally, Jason, generally yeah. Jason, that's your new nickname, yep. we talk about uh, British movies on the British Film Institute Top 100 British Films of All British Time. But that's not what we're doing today. Kind of. This is sequel summer. Yeah. Sequ- I thought about that in the way over. Why didn't we just call I know, it that? Well, I know. I guess some of them are I mean, remakes. they're remakes, but, but you, you, you get it. You're not stupid. Yeah. Stupid Summer. That's right. The Stupid Sequel Summer. So, uh, we're talking about a film that is a remake of a movie we discussed on our very well, first episode. it's not technically a remake no, of the movie. No, it is another the, adaptation of the novel. No, the David Lee movie was the source <laughs> material. Yeah. I wish. No, it's another adaptation. It's a miniseries, 2002 adaptation of a movie we talked about on our very first episode. Yes. Dr. Zhivago. And here, of course, if you don't the remember famous. Dr. Zhivago, this is the famous miniseries Zhivago theme song. We go from there has never been a more perfect audio metaphor for this movie and the difference between the other one than the difference between this theme song and the theme song from the original Dr. Zhivago. But Jason, for the first time ever, we are not alone. Thank God. We don't even, and it's not the dead celebrities that are in the, oh, in the mausoleum. No. Oh, really? We have living guests. <laughs> that's that's going to be different. In theory. Oh. We, we, we need to investigate. All right. But joining us from the other side of... I almost said the other side of the pond. That is not correct. <laughs> the other, the other <laughs> side of Eden? From the other side of the country, in California, we have, from everything I learned from movies podcast, Steve and or Izzy. 
You son of a bitch. We're not in the, on the other <laughs> side of your country. We got our own country to deal with. <laughs> no. Thank you. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. I was going to shout at him <laughs> for it. Come on. Th- thank you for having us on the other side of the continent. <laughs> Yeah, continent, country, what's the difference? <laughs> really, uh, it boils down to, that was an incontinent statement. I am incontinent. Absolutely. So right out of the gate, I have to thank uh, Stephen Izzy uh, for taking the time required to watch this film. Luckily, we had a month to, <laughs> just wide open with all kinds of time to watch both versions of Dr. Zhivago. Jesus Christ, I turned into the old lady from Titanic watching this movie. <laughs> wow. It's been 84 years. Thank you. <laughs> no, but yes, thank you for having us on your podcast. We, <laughs> yes, we have many thoughts we'd love to share on this movie. And uh, we also like to uh, announce our new podcast, uh, For Foreskin and Contrag, um, <laughs> which <laughs> we take the BFI Top 100 movies, watch their sequels, and cry. And run it through the Mr. Skin database. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for having us. We really do appreciate it being your first and, I would dare say, best guest thus far. Definitely. Thank you guys so much. Wow. That you're, yeah, I, I mean, we've had a lot of, we've had Sir Alec Guinness on here. Who? Who's he, Steve? Oh, he's the guy that invented Stout, right? Yes! Yeah. Okay. Oh, that is yeah. quite an honor. <laughs> I just wanted to stop in to say hello. I've not been on this podcast in a long time. You Goodbye! literally here last week, Alec. <laughs> Don't tell me what I do. Oh, God. Guys, again, we do the podcast in front of a mausoleum, a celebrity mausoleum, so we get dead celebrities all the time. <laughs> Pop in here. Hello, hello, I'm Dick Van Dyke. Wait, aren't you still alive? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go! <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> oh. And we continue to do everything we can to not talk about Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> so, guys, welcome again. Thank you for joining us here on For Screen and Country. Before we get into this, I guess, this remake or this readaptation of the source material, uh, the miniseries of Dr. Zhivago, you guys watched the original one. We sure did. Um,. What are your, like, just kind of brief thoughts on the first iteration of this uh, this novel? Uh, I feel like it is really beautifully shot and also extraordinarily pretentious. <laughs> uh, this Fair. this movie was my, uh, my grandmother on my father's side favorite movie of all time. It, um... Mm-hmm. She, oh, wait, she, the movie about a woman losing her children in the war and then sleeping with strange men? You know, it made me <laughs> think a lot about, you know, what's Nana's backstory? Because I feel like... <laughs> yeah. Your grandfather is Komarovsky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, wait, was there a Dr. Shivago back in the old country? Or, uh, I mean, yeah. Is is my grandpa really my grand like her brother or I, I mean there's a whole lot of lot, lot of different thing uh, different themes a mere hundred years ago when this movie took place where it's like huh did she actually give her first daughter to her father's best friend as a squeak toy we don't know yeah yeah do what you gotta do to get by I guess so I think what I'm getting in general from you guys. A beautiful movie uh, that is pretentious, but I guess you could argue, and like as far as David Lean goes, certainly not his best movie. Even not not even his best that we've watched on the show so far, because we 
uh, also previously talked about The Bridge on the River yeah. Kwai, which is uh, an amazing movie. It's a fucking great Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Yeah. And freaking fantastic. So much action going on in that movie. One of my grandpa's favorite movies. But in comparison from the original Dr. Zhivago to this one, there yeah. is <laughs> the beautiful cinematography not as apparent. I would watch the original Dr. Zhivago five times before I watch this one again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, okay. Let's 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 briefly talk. So, I mean, uh, Jason, why don't you kind of re re uh, remind us just the brief kind of rundown of Doctor Shivani? Before we start this, I just want to say one thing that okay. I, I learned recently, which is an interesting fact that I did not know. It's so, a fact that's interesting because it's uh, an interesting interesting fact. Absolutely. Would you say it's so a, fun fact, a super fun fact because it's a fun fun fact? It probably involves incest. So no, I wouldn't say uh, that. Okay. I would agree with that statement one hundred percent. Yeah. Copyright. All rights reserved. <laughs> so it turns out that uh, uh, when you when you adjust box office uh, uh, tickets for inflation, you get that Doctor Zhivago is like the seventh or eighth like top movie of all time. It mm. sold so many tickets, so many people went to see it, and I imagine it was re-released a lot. But like of all David Lean's movies, and the rest of them aren't even in the top twenty, I don't think. But like of all David Lean's movies, that was his in retrospect most successful. And that, I mean, the movie's fine, but wow. So, yeah, what is this like movie? This movie is about... <laughs> they do. Yeah. It was released. <laughs> Wait, all I gotta do is pay, like, a dime and I get, like, eight hours of air conditioning? <laughs> Summer blockbuster, my Ooh, friend. And a nickel for popcorn. We're gonna feed the family. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, please go on. All right, so... This movie... Go for and it, all just, Zhivago's just, Russian just, Revolution, 1917. I guess it starts earlier than that, but we got uh, the movie's about Yuri Zhivago. He's a boy. He's got a dad and a mom, and then the mom dies, and then the dad is not in the original lean version, but he's in the remake, and he dies, and everybody's sad. And then the guy becomes a doctor, and then he ends up joining the Reds, and then there's a revolution, and then a bunch of bullshit happens, and here we are. Uh, I believe you left out a very important part. He's adopted by a family, and That's then he right. grows up and marries his sister. Cousin. Uh, cousin, but yes. I mean, but that was what you did at the time. We, we, we talked no, about no, this no. in the original no, no, episode. No, that was no, what no. you did. No, no. In both versions, <laughs> they say, Yuri, this is your sister now. Well, well now, like, yeah, now, but, yes. But not biologically. That's what they no. say. So then he grows up and mar- <laughs> would you marry your stepsister? Fuck yeah! Well, how hot is she? I mean, we have a lot of questions we have to ask. Probably not, but Jason likes. never say never. You know, that's all I'm saying. Never say never. Steve, Steve you are, are you my sister? Pass, pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, sorry, Brendan, that was a pass on my stepsisters, not you. Oh, good, good. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, and 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 then the, and then Laura's side of the story. Laura's side of the story. Sure, we've got uh, we got Komarovsky, we got Laura, we got uh, we got Egrov in the uh, lean version, not in the remake. Not even a little bit. Yeah. Not even a little bit. I don't know that he was even in the book. I, no, I believe this I was a framing so. device that was developed for the film. Yeah. Uh, and to keep Alec Guinness employed, well, you assume. guys, you guys did read the book before this too, right? Yeah, I assume so, right? Oh, wait, of course. Wait, is there a book? Sure. So, Steve, a book is... Oh, wait. Is it called The Island of Dr. Zhivago? Yes. Steve, so a book is this thing. Um, it's like emails yeah. that you can hold in your hand and you can turn the pages physically. It requires no electricity. Yeah, it's like pr- printing off emails. Yeah, I Yeah, exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah, pointless. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. and then you sew them all together with string. <laughs> what books are you reading? Book. <laughs> all right. And that's a book. <laughs> 
So ultimately, this whole movie is set against the backdrop of the Russian Revolution, but it boils down to being a love story between Zhivago and Lara as they both live their own lives and deal with their own problems and keep coming back to each other over the course of many years. Uh, and then at the end, Zhivago uh, uh, dies and everybody's sad. And Lara dies off screen. Yes. In both versions. I, I wish there'd been like a text thing at the end. It's just like, Lara fell into a pool and died three years later. <laughs> <laughs> Lara no. fell headfirst Eight, into a shallow pool. <laughs> Eighty-four years later, she tosses a diamond over the edge of a ship. <laughs> <laughs> it's been eighty-four uh, years. Oh yes, um, guys, I don't, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but if all of this takes place in like nineteen seventeen, everybody's dead. Yeah, um, it's probably for the best. Izzy, <laughs> I wouldn't be so sure. I'm just saying. The real Komarovsky is alive and well. <laughs> and he is currently your president. <laughs> He's a vampire. Mm. <laughs> Dyed his hair blonde. Too soon. <laughs> He's a vampire who glows orange in sunlight. Too soon. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's uh, let's get into this a little bit. Let's talk about... Yeah, let's get back to the incest. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, well, before we get to that, though... I want to talk about how the overall thing between these two uh, versions of the of the book, because I would argue that the original film, the David Lean film, it, it takes a little bit more uh, liberties with mm. the source material, and I think arguably in a better way, because I think this miniseries is more of a literal adaptation, and it's like. I feel, I feel like between David Lean saying, like, you know, I'm going to cut things, I'm going to add things for, like, uh, artistic license, whereas th these people were like, let's just film the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like the difference between, I'm not saying quality-wise, but it's the difference between, like, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and Stephen King's, like, 17-hour version of The Shining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the miniseries. Yeah, it, that's actually a very, a very apt comparison, I would say. This is the... Okay, so I, I was thinking about this, and this movie made me feel a certain way, and I was trying to pinpoint it, and I realized... Tired? Well, yes. <laughs> when, when, first when Julie and Christie foremost. Julie was, uh, Christie was taking a bath, yeah? Yeah. <coughs> I was feeling but, a certain um, way, that's for sure. 16-year-old oh, yeah. <laughs> Kira Knightley? Mm. Okay. Is that what we're talking uh, about? Steve, no. No, Steve. <laughs> no, we're not Steve. talking about that? We're not Steve, even going to mention no. it right. Down, boy! So guys, we're about to enter dangerous territory. So oh, yeah. we need to set up the role. Are you allowed to be attracted to somebody playing a role when they're a minor when you know they're going to grow up to be a hot adult? I am Googling age of consent rules right now. <laughs> I, I, I think that that... I think that that question, too, is tempered by the fact that despite her age, we do see her... Uh, her her lady parts somewhat in the movie. Her top lady parts. Somewhat? Yeah. At least four times least, in the same yeah. scene. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. I imagine we're all on a list now. Well, and so much so, see, Jason and I watched this together, how, like, a few days ago, yeah. three, four days ago. And I was on four hours sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and we were so... Oh, so romantic. We, we, <laughs> we were so shocked by the fact that Keira Knightley, who is 16 in this movie, uh, goes topless for a fairly long sex scene, mm. that we had to Google and make sure that this was legal to watch. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, we already done it. So what, what were they gonna do, right? We just wanted to, we 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 made it. We made sure to see if it was legal to watch. We we looked up listings of some good lawyers, yes, absolutely. Just in case we're all prepared. Uh, so we're we're good to go. I hope you guys got your your legal matters uh, intact. In but um, 
So yeah, my, my thought, I want to finish my thought here, was that this movie made me feel a certain way, and I thought about it for a while, and I realized this is the, the way I felt when you were in class, say, and, you know, it's, it's one of those days in English class where the teacher is like, well, today we've been talking about Dr. Zhivago, so we're going to watch Dr. Zhivago, and we're going to watch this 2002 miniseries version of Dr. Zhivago, because it's a little closer to the book, and I think you'll appreciate it more. And I, yeah, I felt exactly the same way as I would have felt in class watching that, where I was on the verge of falling asleep the entire time, and it brought back some very bad memories. <laughs> so it's got that going against it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much yeah. it. There were yeah. a lot of, uh, okay, so with with the David Lean version, yeah. like, there was more, like, there, there, there were a lot of decisions that were made where it was, like, it, it, was, it was very, it was set up very much, like, God, how do I even put it? It, it was more, like the, more specific. Yeah, yeah. It, it's more like he's doing something good. He's doing something bad. Like, uh, well, God damn it! I'm trying to remember like a specific scene, for example. But it was like they they watered it down a little bit in the miniseries version, where it was more like, oh, obviously, what Doctor Shivago doing is the right thing because you know, like, uh, like th this lady's beaten or. Uh, some extra circumstance, whereas opposed to, oh no, he's just doing this. Yeah. At, he's just being an adulterer, or oh, he's standing up to Victor because he's, you know, he's not just oh, a man in power or whatever. He's he's also like beating people and doing weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the in the lean version, they let you sort of draw your own conclusions about what's right and wrong in morality. Whereas in the miniseries, it's like you feel this now. Yeah. Yeah, a little more manipulative that way. I Which, think that's a that modern... That's like a modern crutch, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, see, and that makes me angry at movies. Like, not very many <laughs> movies make me, like, angry, but when they're like, you feel this way now, and it's like, no, fuck you, I feel I feel whatever I want to feel. <laughs> Babe, you say, you say you don't get angry at movies, yet every time you mention a movie, you're like, this is why I fucking hate this movie. No, you movie. know what? Fuck that movie. <laughs> um, and we can segue right from this into, like, in terms of manipulation, I mean, the music in the miniseries. It's just uh, so, like, stock TV yeah. music. Jason was saying, you were saying... I was like, saying during, while we were watching it, it, like, it had a certain 90s TV music feel where it's got this, like, bedding music in the scenes that's just, like, this generic, tuneless kind of just tone music that's there that I, that I really associate with, yeah. like, TV series in the 90s, and it just gave it this really cheap feel watching it. You know, and, and, and well, it's like if you ever watched episodes of like Star Trek DS9 or Voyager, like they, they do it similarly, but it works because it's like a particular type of music, but it does not work in this. It just makes it just sound so cheap and shitty. It, I, like, I was surprised yeah. to not see a credit at the end that said music by Kevin McLeod. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also paired with like the, uh, the stock footage of World War II and stuff oh. like that, too. Of like, you know, that like World War One to Two uh, era Russia, and it's like, Oh, okay, and now and we're just gonna slowly transition from black and white to oh, back to color, like seamlessly. It's like n no, it's like oh, that's so amazing. This happened in real life. <laughs> You're right. I didn't hate the stock footage. I did not like the transitions. You have the like them going black and white and then like transitioning into color. In fact, it was a little bit cheesy, but I super dug. There's a scene where uh, Yuri's stirring out the train, and then and it was just like stock footage of like yeah. the Russian countryside <laughs> and all that. I sort of dug that. It yeah, was, that was I fully cool. get it was cheesy, but I really like. I I like seeing like the photos and stuff. I love when they do like biopics, and then in the uh, the credits, they're showing the pictures of the real people in that. 
So, like, I sort of done it, dug it, but it should have been handled differently. Yeah. Now, did you like the bit where a character committed suicide and then a building blew up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a little interesting. Not only a building blew up, but stock footage of a building blowing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, you see, it represented the crumbling of the infrastructure of the family. And the skull. Oh. <laughs> yes. And his skull. <laughs> you see, the building represented his skull, and the crumbling represented the gunshot entry. You know what? We're getting too deep into this. I want to say, well, hey, we're good, so feel free. Um, I want to say, though, that, like, removing the framing device, too. So the framing device in the original David Le- in the David Lean version was Alec Guinness as Ivgraf, uh, looking for the daughter, right? Looking for Lara's daughter and thinking yeah. that he's finally found her at this, like, work camp. Yeah. And I think removing that, it takes away a lot of the forward momentum of the movie. Yeah. Because you're not, like... Yeah. <laughs> you don't really have, like, a... There's no end goal. Like, you don't really know... I don't know. I feel like with the, with that in the in the original, I was like, "Oh, cool! I want to find out like if this is actually the case." In this one, I'm just like, "Oh, let's see how this romance goes." I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, with the with the original, um, we uh, when we were watching it, we we had completely forgotten that it was basically a story being told by Alec Guinness to a young girl. And then, and then, like remembering parts later in the movie, we're like, "This would be a really awkward story to tell a like twelve-year-old girl." Like, <laughs> well, and then yes, your parents were married to other people, but they had a little fuck shack out in the countryside, and well, things really- became things, and you're really the product of an illegitimate relationship. <laughs> yeah. He had a penis, yeah. a long and, penis. And, th- and then I was expecting it to like go back towards the end, and it would be him closing a book. A la Jean Claude Van Damme's directorial debut, The Quest. Thank you. More later. Turned out Chicago abandoned his family to go become a homeless street clown yes. and teach orphans how to steal from the rich. Well, Good and, like, God. When... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, like I, I, I think it's weird. I think it's weird to lose that. And I, I guess Jason made the point. It's not in the book. No, I mean, and it, I, I don't know that it's necessary for the story. But I see why, like you, your explanation why Lean might have done it, you know, to help propel it forward. Yeah, because that movie needs propelling a little bit uh, to keep us keep us going along. And the miniseries, which, as we know, is about at least a half hour longer, I'd say, than the uh, Lean version, yeah. at least. Uh, certainly not. Uh, it, it propels at the speed of a Soviet tractor. I think we can say. <laughs> and I mean, we could talk about. I think. Okay, I'm going to highlight two people in this movie that I think are going a little bit above the material in the miniseries, and I, as far as acting goes, and I think Sam Neill does a great Kamarovsky. Oh, he's yeah. fantastic. And I think Kira Knightley, in a very early role, is doing a very good job too. Oh yeah, no, she yeah. does a great job. Yeah, yeah. Put her in a pirate movie, for God's sake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in in this version, that role is a slightly different, like a, like a stronger role. Like, oh, where absolutely. in the original, Lara doesn't seem to like sex, and she gets raped by Komarovsky. Now, I'm not saying that uh, you, you just because you get raped, you don't like sex, but you know she she's clearly not into that sort of thing, and it's it's a, a vulnerability of hers. Whereas in this version, Karen Knightley's character is a little stronger. She initially has sex with Komarovsky willingly. Because she knows it's going to get her something, or it's going to like be part of her plan, or whatever. But then, you know, obviously, it turns south uh, rather quickly. Uh, but she is a much more, 
I'd say strong female character. She has much more agency in this movie. Yeah, much more modern female character, I would yeah. say. Well, and see, that's that's another one of those things where it got because in the original, yeah, it was very much like you know, uh, you know, uh, Victor had had like the relationship with her mother, and then it was like, well, on to the next one in the gene pool, and like it was very forced upon her, and that's why she lashed out with you know shooting him. Whereas in this one, it's more like, okay, well, I was going along with the game, now I'm kind of getting screwed over, and now I'm going to shoot yeah. him and or, or, or what was the real what's the real propel in the military it was like her mom was getting really sick and he well the, the mom the mom i don't even know if we saw the mom die did we or till very very late yeah, yeah i think movie, it, i think it was a lot later where she actually died okay. or maybe it was the whole situation where shivago was called in well, to was that save laura's her. mom yeah laura's or... mom you know what i think it was the aunt that died like yeah, she dies later yuri's, in the movie. yuri's oh. aunt i don't remember when the actual mom dies Lara's mom. I think Lara's mom dies because they they she has a suicide attempt, and then it might be shortly thereafter. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's off okay. screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then that's when she lashes out. Yeah. <laughs> so I think Sorry. Keira Knightley, like her her uh, version of Lara, has a lot more. I don't know, maybe more agency. I guess <laughs> <laughs> a little more depth to it as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean Julie Christie's great. Don't get me wrong, she's wonderful. Yeah, but I think that. Uh, Keira Knightley gets a lot more to, to to do with. She gets a lot more to work with. Yeah. And then you have Rod, or, or you say you have Rod Steiger. You have uh, uh, Sam Neill playing Komarovsky. Komarovsky in this version isn't quite the like <laughs> the Machiavellian villain that uh, Rod Steiger portrays him as this one. He's got a little more charisma. He's a little little more vulnerable, maybe a little softer, but but still kind of a dickhead. Yeah. He's a he's a paleontologist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like children. <laughs> he doesn't like children. Uh, well, that is not in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but then, speaking of children, then we also get the added bit from then. This is in the book that uh, Yuri's dad. Uh, was in a business relationship with Komarovsky, and then he killed himself subsequently because of that relationship. And I think this even goes back a little bit to what Izzy said earlier about uh, Stephen Izzy said earlier about um, the modern ones spelling out a lot more because yeah. in the original we get kind of an allusion to oh Komarovsky's got this uh, got this relationship with or had this friendship with Yuri's father, which we heard about very briefly, hmm. and Yuri already kind of knows who he is. In this one, we have a full scene. Yeah. yeah. Of and, and Komarovsky even sh is showing up at the beginning of the movie at the funeral at the funeral yeah mm -hmm. yeah um, and then and then of course later on uh, like a full scene on a train where uh, Yuri's father throws himself from the train yes yeah. much like Mama no ticket yeah no <laughs> yeah that scene was very like wait what the f what and <laughs> like. Yeah, that was one thing. Like, wait, did, did we skip in the movie? What 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 the fuck is going on here? Uh, yeah, they don't set. They don't. The transitions are not no. good either. Like, they don't really. I don't really know where I am half the time. <laughs> like, half the time. You're in Russia. Yes, Izzy. Half the time is still almost two hours. So I think that's still pretty <laughs> that's good. True. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Also, I learned from this movie. There's apparently only 15 people in all of Soviet Russia. Yeah. <laughs> I love the transitions from some of the, the 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 old newsreel footage where you see like this massive protest going on, and then and then it cuts to like all these soldiers that are like in line, and then it cuts back to the modern footage, and we see like four guys walking across the screen as it fades back to color. <laughs> and and another thing is too, I feel like the and there's also points in the miniseries where they're they're trying 
too much to get a scene across. Like, I don't know if you like in the in the in the David Lean one, we have the scene, uh, a very good scene, I think, where the protesters are basically shot down, um, and you see most of it through Omar Sharif's eyes. Like, just like the camera is on his eyes for like smoldering solid, eyes. Yeah, like a solid minute. Um, and in this one, it's just kind of like you know, kind of crappy effects and a tv action scene of like uh that goes on for like 10 minutes or something but i just i think they try uh, that's just an example of them trying too hard to get something effect something over as effective um when they could have just done it simple yeah 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 definitely yeah yeah like in the original one there's like yeah there's like the one scene where there's like the the blood on the snow but that's like it whereas this one it's like five minutes of slow motion like people getting hit and club like ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> oh my god it's like battlefield earth and not only s- <laughs> <laughs> just like yeah a cow gets its leg shot off <laughs> i forgot about that can we talk about like not only the slow motion guys but the fucking the, they like take out frames oh yeah like like it's not even good it's not even real slow motion yeah it's it's like the video assisted slow motion technology it, it just yeah they and it's and it's like not even slow no. it's like it doesn't actually that? slow it down they're just taking frames out and make it look real stuttery what about that random shot where i don't know if you guys noticed but there's one shot it's just a quick cut to like someone on a horse and they just it's in slow motion for no reason. They're just sitting on a horse and the guy moves his head a little bit. Yeah. yeah. It's like they needed a second and a half of footage, but they only had a half a second of this guy on the horse. So they just slowed <laughs> the slowed video down. <laughs> Pad the film. We need to make it three hours and forty six minutes. <laughs> Which I looked it up. I think this is longer than Lawrence of Arabia. Oh my oh, goodness. Well, here I wanted to. I want to read a little thing here because okay, we're talking about this uh, as compared to the original, and I want to talk about the uh, the writer of this movie, Andrew Davies. Okay, he said um, he talked about how he was a fan of the. Obviously, he liked the novel. He was a fan of the original film, and he says that when he uh, when he was given this task, he said it was daunting because the book is reckoned to be a masterpiece, and the film is a great movie and one that I admire very much. Robert Bolt, who is the screenwriter of the David Lean one, uh, is the king of epic screenplay writers in my book. But as I got further into the book, I kept thinking that I didn't agree with Robert Bolt about how to tell the story. And I began to feel much more excited. So it's like, <laughs> it's kind of a backhanded thing. Like, I, yeah. lo- I love the original movie. But then I read the book and I said, you know what? He didn't do a very good job. Yeah. No, what the yeah. fuck he was the doing? The greatest screenwriter of all time. But you know what? I can do it better. Shit. Right? It's such like, I'm reading this and I'm like, I don't want to meet Andrew Davies. <laughs> Coming up on everything I learned from movies, our interview with Andrew Davies. No, anyway. I, I wonder if he has written some movies that could be on your show. <laughs> so here's also what he said. He said, it was also a relief to find so much in the book that hadn't found its way into the first movie and could make a great drama debatable. I thought the film does the spectacle really well. Rather surprisingly, it also explains the politics very well, but I thought it could do a better job on the relationships. 
It's probably a bit controversial, but I thought we could say more about Lara and Yuri and how they got together, about Lara's extraordinary situation at the beginning of the story, and Yuri having a dreadful start to his life with his parents dying. None of these things really came out in the movie, but they are there in the book. And I think that if they look at both versions now, people will probably think that this version, the miniseries, in a lot of ways works better for our time. It's no. more contemporary. No. I think they'll find the performances are more subtle, yet speak to us in our time. Maybe my script will seem out of date in 20 years' time, because a lot of them do. But watching the original film, I think the central performances look stilted and dated now. That is a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> um, of like, Ladies and gentlemen, I, I have to bring something to everybody's attention. We have done a movie that Andrew Davies was the writer on. What's that, Steve? Uh, he oh. wrote the screenplay for 2011's The Three Musketeers, starring Mia Jovovich oh, and Orlando shit. Bloom. So he can write gold. Wow. He has also written all the Bridget Jones diary movies, or whatever the hell they're called, and a bunch of BBC stuff. But yeah, The Three Musketeers, ladies and gentlemen, has been on our show. Ooh, he's also the writer of B. Monkey from 1998. What's that about? I don't know. It looks horrible, though, just from the picture. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's basically, Andrew Davies, the screenwriter, is basically saying right there, yeah, I, just, I wanted to uh, to make it better. It's a classic, but I think our version's better. <laughs> yeah, j just like he did with the Three Musketeers, when yeah. he added a uh, fucking <laughs> giant blimp assault tank machines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if only there was a giant spider. If only. If only. <laughs> so I, I want to mention, so we've mentioned the, the, so there's four leads listed in this movie, and we've talked about two of them because they're they're pretty good despite the material. Keira Knightley and Sam Neill, Keira yes. Knightley and Sam Neill, no issues with them. Even yeah. in shit, they can do well. Now, the other two guys, though, we got to talk about. Dinosaur shit. Uh, uh, one, and less importantly, I need to mention Hans Matheson because he uh, is a zero. I mean, especially when you compare it to a guy Omar. like Omar Sharif, who is such a great actor with such beautiful eyes and such a unique look. And then we get this just generic looking zero in it's this fucking movie. Zach Morris. I mean, and I'm not saying he's a bad actor. He's just he's just so like workman. Yeah, exactly. He's fucking Zach Morris in the fucking Russian Revolution. Yeah, he's a flippy hair and shit. But he's a zero, unfortunately. And I mean, maybe the guy has been in some stuff that's been good. I don't know. I've never seen him in anything. But I also got to talk about Chris Marshall as Strelnikov for two reasons. One, Strelnikov in the original movie is one of my favorite parts of it. He's such an interesting character to me that this, you know, this very serious kind of young academic communist revolutionary, uh, you know, is, is he just wants to make the world better. He wants to get people educated. He gets involved in these protests and then he goes to war. And when he comes back, he's this fucking monster of a murderer slash you know, hardcore communist who is all about the revolution. That's so interesting to me, like, watching that transition in Tom Courtney. Uh, and then in this movie, uh, the character Stralnikov is played by, or Pasha, I guess, as he's originally known, is played by a guy named Chris Marshall, who I know more from comedy mm -hmm. because he was in a British sitcom called My Family and played the older brother Nick and was quite hilarious on that show. And he also, if you'll remember, was in the uh, the horror World War One film Death Watch, where his character died while he was jerking off to German pornography. Yeah. Uh, wow. So I have a harder time taking him seriously in this movie. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty I, I knew him as the ginger from Love Actually, so wow. Yeah, that's even <laughs> oh. more. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he so he plays Strelnikov in this movie, and a, and a lot of Chris Marshall, I think, comes through in that, and he seems a little more carefree, a little more happy. And then when we see him later on the train, when he is Strelnikov, 
Uh, he just doesn't have the same level of intimidation to me. It's like they give him a mustache and comb his hair, and all of a sudden he's supposed to be a badass? Come on. <laughs> it just didn't work for me. And then it, and then when he comes back at the end, when he's supposed to be dead, because in, in the lean version, of course, uh, he dies off screen. And I think in the book, he dies off page. Uh, but in the mo- in this one, they bring him back, and he has to confront Zhivago, and then he shoots himself, and then a building explodes. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was my number one gripe with the miniseries, was the, that whole character was just completely ruined i think yeah. i mean i mean i mean you know he did a decent job with the acting portion but i think it's in the writing yeah yeah so another thing uh in relation to that whole pasha thing is the reveal of pasha as stronikov in the original dr zhivago is really cool mm. and his face just kind of comes into the frame and you're like oh shit that's stronikov we remember him from earlier in the movie whereas what had happened in this movie <laughs> If I hadn't have watched the original, yeah. I'd have been like, who the fuck is this supposed to be? <laughs> like, they don't even make it a big deal, really. Yeah. <laughs> he's just kind of sitting there, and he's like, you're free to go. And the whole thing with him coming back later and like, did Lara love me? I loved her. Oh, I'm going to kill myself. That sounds terrible. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it just makes his yeah. character so, like, ineffective. Yeah. And- this guy killed thousands of men, and he's mad about his girlfriend. Oh, sorry. I was just thinking, like, like in this one, uh, I, I think they'd also mentioned like three or four times before that Lara was married to Stronikov, blah blah blah. And I don't think that was mentioned in the original. Like it, that, like it was after the reveal where it was like, "Oh, I know you. You're Pasha. Yes, and I married yeah. Lara." Blah blah blah. And it's like, "Oh, okay," because there's only five people in Russia. Got it. They're yeah. all the main characters. But, <laughs> but, but in this one, it was like. Yeah, well, if you ever meet uh, Stromakov, that's my husband. My husband, you know, he's, he's Stromakov, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and then when it finally happens, it's, oh, he's the ginger from earlier, but in disguise now? I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> See, when you, he's undercover. When you turn into a uh, <laughs> yeah, right. more of a psychopath, you're, com- you're complete, uh, you have to change your hair. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's, that's one of the rules of Russia. <laughs> you call that a mustache? Here, let me stick one on for you. Now this is a mustache. Uh, um, did anyone see the random tiger? Yeah, I noticed that. Yes. <laughs> what was that doing there? And why would you have a tiger and then not use it for anything? What a waste! Now, <laughs> like this violating one of the basic rules of drama. You don't have a tiger unless you're going to use the tiger. If you introduce a tiger, in Chekhov's the, tiger. If you introduce a tiger in the fourth act, you have to use them in the twelfth act. <laughs> oh my! You know Chekhov's tiger. He checks the nuclear vessels. That's right. <laughs> in Alameda, across the harbor. That's what I said. Um. So not only is Hans Matheson kind of a zero, I like I think one of the things in the original I found anyway um, was kind of a lack. It was weird because like I thought Omar Sharif and Julie Christie individually were great in the movie, but I thought their chemistry wasn't there for me totally. But th- these two, even less. Yeah. <laughs> like, Hans Matheson <laughs> and Keira Knightley look like they they might just be like drinking buddies. Like they don't look like they have any chemistry whatsoever. Yeah, and I even got the, the like the the feeling that Kira Knightley, even in like this relationship, was more like it's more transactional. It's more like, hey, you know what? You're a doctor. I I, I enjoy being around you, and you're not a bad fuck. You know, I got a daughter. I may yeah. need you later. Whereas in the original, it's just more like, oh my god, you're a doctor, and I love you, and oh, it's like a fucking fairy tale. Even though we're both married to other people, uh, but 
whatever. But you're the nicest Uh, guy I've ever met. You only hit me twice. Right. (laughs) Well, I I know you're fucking that other girl, but you love me. Yeah. (laughs) I thought she had more chemistry with fucking Sam Neill in this movie. (laughs) Right? Yes. Well, they have a longer relationship. Let's oh, be let's be honest, guys. I'm gonna argue Sam Neill's the hero of this movie. <laughs> I am not on board for that. But he's the hero we deserve. No. Yeah, no, they should no. So Victor, well, well, Victor okay, let, let, let's break it down, Brandon. Let's break it down. If there's a hero yeah. in this movie, so Victor in general. So he's a politician, mm-hmm. and he enjoys hanging out with the seamstresses. He also helps keep their shop open. Because he was a friend of their of the uh, the father, and then yeah, so yeah, so he moves on from the mom to the daughter. Not his greatest moment, but when she gets <laughs> down, he puts his own position in jeopardy to try and rescue his good fuck. <laughs> but yeah, maybe they should remake this movie again, but do it from Victor's perspective, yeah. and we'll call it Victor Komarovsky. He's not. That sounds he's... like that's like the movie Naked. That's like the Mike Lee movie Naked about her that where the main character is a rapist. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, so more... uh, uh, it's pronounced therapist. <laughs> I'll take the rapist for twenty. <laughs> Morally, he's not a great guy, but he does all the right things. Go on. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he makes. He's does a bit... he do anything that's less questionable than say Doctor Shivago cheating on his wife, uh... knocking up two women and joining the Red Army? <laughs> Hot takes. I think rape might be worse than adultery. I don't know, but is it? Is well, but but in but in this one, is it rape? I mean, at some point, yes, it is. When they're in the back of the, when they're in the back of the carriage. Yeah. Okay. He gets a little possessive. That's true. Okay. And nobody's got. Has nobody gotten a little grabby after a few drinks? <laughs> yeah. Nobody's perfect. You know, it's not like he guys... like I don't know grabbed him by the pussy or something. It's not like he yeah, knocked no, two no. women up and then ran off to join the front lines. <laughs> Are you guys trying to make it so that I can't release this episode? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're offering alternate takes. Yeah, this is why you invite us on, right? We 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 see movies from a different angle, if you will. <laughs> we like to we like to think outside the video box. We we like to round out characters that may not be fully flushed. Uh, so I, I, we should probably talk about uh, there's some differences in this movie. The biggest difference what? that I want, yeah, I know the biggest difference, and I don't know if this is a difference in the book, uh, but it's certainly a difference in the movie. Uh, the scene where Komarovsky's at a party and Laura comes in with the gun. First off, in this version. Oh. Laura immediately grabs the gun from Pasha at the uh, at the protest that's going bad. Yeah, he picks it up and is trying to shoot someone, but then doesn't. Uh, whereas in the in the lean version, of course, she goes over and asks him for the gun, and he gives it to her for some reason. Um, but yeah, she goes to shoot Kamarovsky, and of course, in the in the lean version, she shoots him, and he's like, "No, don't call the police. I don't want anybody involved." Uh, and then in this version, she goes to shoot him, and she fucking misses him and hits the guy beside him. He says yeah. he doesn't want the police involved. I don't what know what was the point of that. Why was why did they change that? Yeah, yeah I have no idea. I don't. I didn't I, get it. I assume Sam Neill. It was it was like, well, we're gonna put a squib on your arm, and he's like, the fuck you are. <laughs> it also makes less sense because right after that scene, we get um, uh, Yuri talking to uh, Komarovsky, and in the original, it made more sense because he was treating his wound. Because he's yeah. a goddamn doctor, and in this one they're just having a side conversation for for the for purposes of plot. Like I don't yeah. understand the change at all. Yeah. 
Well, and and that scene too, like in the original, there was the incredible line, like, "What would what would cause a woman to do something like that or whatever?" Whereas this one, it's more like, "Well, I guess she had her reasons." Or, it was like it, it was like it was like really toned down. It was like, "Eh, what are you gonna do? Am I right?" yeah like it's just it's yeah it's so it's very strange change it's a very strange change it's almost like we had to change a certain percentage of it so this is what do we what do we got left we can change and still call it our own (laughs) well we we can't add lasers um shit let's 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 instead of shooting him shoots random stranger with the mustache and and he he's perfectly fine with it they're like she shoots Komarovsky's friend. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And and her, she and her just reaction. sits there, yeah. and it's like if you're gonna make her this character who's strong enough to barge into the party and shoot him, she can't then just be like drop the gun, look at a minor injury, and then like lose her shit all over the floor. I think she was trying to escape her body or something at that point. Oh. Because doesn't Julie Christie shoot and then immediately get like tackled? Yeah. Yeah, and then she puts up yeah. a fucking fight. And then, and then, yeah. yeah, then Pasha comes in and, like, takes her out of there, blah, blah, blah. Whereas this one, it's like, boom, I got, oop, I completely missed him. And now losing motor functions, slowly falling to ground powers. Just, just starts, just starts shitting all over the floor. <laughs> yeah, right. Losing valve control. Evacuate, evacuate. <laughs> yeah, oh, and, okay, if we're talking about differences, uh, Jason, yeah. two big things in this movie in this movie are different from the other movie is that we get the scene of um, so like we'll skip ahead to very late in the movie. Uh, I don't know if you remember the original, but this scene in the original, but Tanya, sorry, Lara is explaining to Yuri that she received a letter from Tanya, mm-hmm. and in that letter, Tanya is basically like, "I know what's going on." Um, you know, we're we're leaving. I'm taking the kid, and we're leaving. And if you ever want to see us again, you'll have to. I don't know. Anyway, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. In this movie, we get a whole scene where Tanya actually comes to visit Lara, yeah. and we have that back and forth conversation for like I don't know, twenty five minutes, and yeah. it's like. Why, like the letter just accomplished so much more in thirty seconds? Because then don't they come back to that later, and then they re-explain it all again? Like yes, yeah. And then they Mm -hmm. have so not only that, but they keep basically the letter scene in as well. So it's like, yeah, you have that whole scene, and then Laura explains it all to Yuri, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing, movie? (laughs) Like, pick one. (laughs) Really had to fill the two slots on Masterpiece Theater. Yeah. Oh, I know what it was. It was the different episodes. <laughs> they were they were filling you in like, wait, why is this happening? Like, oh, it's because of that letter, blah, blah, blah. Last week on Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's also to have that, like, to mirror that scene later with Pasha, where he shows up and he's talking to Yuri about Lara. And it's like, fine, but it doesn't work when you conclude the letter scene, too. Yeah. Like, it's just <laughs> unnecessary. You really want to drive this home. It's like, I hate movies where... Um, you see the scene, and, like as an audience, you see the scene, and then you see an entire scene of a character explaining what just happened to another character. It's like cut yeah. away or like cut away early in the conversation or something. Like we literally just saw this. Yeah. Well, if, if for some reason you missed episode two, then you know episode five it comes back and Sam Neill's like Strobokov is dead. It's like who the fuck is that? Was this like Game of Thrones? Like I haven't seen that motherfucker in two seasons. What are we talking about? <laughs> yes, parts Game one and parts two aired three years apart. 
They filmed yeah. it on weekends, you see. <laughs> yeah, yeah much like Boyhood. <laughs> they have the same shooting schedule as Boyhood. <laughs> the only miniseries shot in real time. <laughs> Feels like it. Can I tell you guys what I think my favorite part of this movie is, by far? The miniseries? Yes, okay. the, of the miniseries. So you'll notice in the miniseries that um, uh, Komarovsky has a, has a bulldog. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's a very cute bulldog. And so he has this bulldog throughout most of the movie. And then we have the time jump where it goes ahead. Because we know he's older because he has gray hair. And they specifically mention, I think Komarovsky specifically points out that his dog that he has at that point is a different dog than the one he had before. Because that wouldn't make sense that that dog would still be alive like five years later. That <laughs> <laughs> They specifically took the time to write that and point that out. Everybody knows dogs don't live five years. That's right. They, they just drop like flies. Especially bulldogs. Well, that's probably not too far off. Poor bulldogs. They're so inbred. <laughs> I don't know. They can barely breathe. used to have bulldogs, and one of his was 17. Wow. What a what a nice dog. Wait. Read the shit on a point, babe. Yeah, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a dog's at. Well, <laughs> well dog's my at. job's done here. You guys have a good podcast. Um, so, I mean... So we've all like we've all said some uh, some mostly negative things about this miniseries, which is all fine and dandy. It probably deserves it, but I'm going to challenge everyone right now to make one non-backhanded, genuine compliment about the miniseries. So maybe we'll start because uh, I, I we'll start with Izzy. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say Sam Neill's performance. Okay, oh, that's weird. He's a true thespian. I was going to say Kira Knightley's performance because you can obviously see there's a lot of talent there and she went on to do great things. Um, was Bendit Like Beckham before or after this? Probably around the same time, Same right? year, yeah. And Pirates was the Pirates was the next year. Yeah, and then, you know, she's been in, like, everything since then. But, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. great performance from her, especially for being, what, 16 or 17 when, when it was shot? Oh, yeah, like, crazy, crazy good for her, how young and inexperienced she would have been at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Jason? Something positive I could say about this movie is that, yeah... So, it wasn't three hours and 47 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, so, you'll... I, I appreciate accuracy, like, details and accuracy when it happens, and I have to point this out because it was a lovely little bit of accuracy. You'll notice that throughout the movie, Komarovsky smokes cigarettes, uh, and if you look closely, you'll notice that the cigarette is about, maybe, I'd say about a quarter of it at most is cigarette, and the rest is all filter, and that is accurate because that's what Russian cigarettes were like back in those days because it was way harder to get tobacco, especially with the revolution and stuff. So you had to make everything stretch. And so for a long time in Russia, that was how cigarettes were sold with these extra long filters. So I appreciated that attention to detail that they obviously spent way more time and resources on than the rest of the actual movie. All right. <laughs> no backhanded. Nope. Well, you enjoyed the <laughs> historical accuracy of Absolutely. I love it. I love it when it, when it, when it happens. It makes me happy. I think that this is gonna sound creepy when I start it, but just bear with me. I think that the <laughs> love scene between Hans mm. Matheson and Kira Knightley, I think that is the mm. only time in the movie where we actually see any passion in Hans Matheson's performance. And despite like feeling a little uncomfortable at the age thing, uh, I think that is uh, I think their chemistry is pretty good in that scene, but that's that you know that's the only time I really thought they were good together. So what you're saying is that this movie would have been a lot better if he'd just been fucking her the whole time. I did not say that, Jason. But that's what you were implying. Fuck you. That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think yeah, that's the only scene where I was like, oh yeah, I guess they're they have chemistry. <laughs> 
Yeah. And the reboot called Dr. Shibango. Hey, hey. Yeah. I'd porn. watch that. That's the porn. Dr. Shivajo. Oh <laughs> Four <laughs> hours and 30 minutes long. Anyone want to say anything more before we get into it? I don't want to get into like our final kind of wrap up thoughts or anything. Does anyone have any other notes they want to mention before we move on to kind of the next uh, section? The magic hair. Who would we cast in a reboot of Doctor Shivago nowadays? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Does anyone have any? Notes I, I just about wanted the movie to mention. First, though? There, there, there's a scene where they're at a party and they must have had to do reshoots or something because there's like a long yeah. shot. There's a long shot where we see Hans Matheson in the background. I'm like, oh, he cut his hair. He looks a little. He looks a little trimmer. He looks a little nicer. And then it cuts back to him, and he's got that '90s like hair again. Yeah. And it just was very jarring. I know it's just a little thing, little strip script production error or whatever, but it just it was so jarring to me. Yeah. He was back and also, what's with all the fucking '90s hair in this movie? Did, did they look like that in Russian? There in is a lot of '90s hair. It was shot in the '90s. Oh God. <laughs> it was, it was a three and a half hour miniseries in 2002. Is it was probably shot in 1987. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well let's let's do that then. Why not? Let's let's do. Uh, who would you cast in this uh, in the, in another in a new adaptation of Doctor Zhivago? And I'll I'll start by going through the roles here, just the main ones mm-hmm. here. Uh, so let's go. Let's start with Victor Komarovsky. Uh, guys, who would you cast? Yeah. So Steve, true or not? Before I, we watched the new one, before I looked up who was in it or anything, we were watching the old one. Who is it that I said would be perfect for Victor? Sam Neill. I I gotta go with it. We're gonna re we're gonna bring him back. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I was thinking Alfred Molina would be a pretty good, uh, yeah. creepy, questionable kind of CD bad guy, but not completely evil. Like he has his reasons for what he does. He's a man of power and it corrupts absolutely kind of thing. But yeah, okay. bring back Doc Ock. Jason, does the person like have it. to be alive? <laughs> well, yeah, because it'd be like okay. A so, uh, well, in my, in my fantasy remake, uh, just for fun, I would uh, give that role to Ricardo Montalban. But in this, but in a real, <laughs> yeah. in a real remake, I think Russell Crowe might be a good guy to cast as uh, Komarovsky. I think he could pull that off. That oh, angry sure. kind of more more of a Rod Steiger take on the role. But I think uh, I think he'd be fine for that. I I really went uh, after. I, I was thinking about this while you guys were talking. I really went rent for it with the creep factor and uh i'm gonna say willem dafoe oh yeah (laughs) he has the weird charm thing going sometimes i find Mm -hmm. uh but he's also a creepy motherfucker so willem dafoe for me yes (laughs) very nice so if i can't have sam neil back if he doesn't want to reprise his role i'm gonna go val kilmer okay oh val kilmer now yeah i I got that vigo mortensen wait (laughs) izzy if you get Val Kilmer, yeah. will he be dubbed like in the Snowman? Ooh, no, we're gonna let him just keep his own voice. It's so <laughs> we're, le- we're gonna see what he does with that accent. Oh, yeah. but his dubbed voice <laughs> in the Snowman was so good. <laughs> Tell me, Laura, do you like the Thurkus? <laughs> no, his voice. Yes. Did you Did you guys not see the Snowman? Nope. Oh, his voice in the Snowman. It's literally like. He's like, I was going to the store and I went to get some groceries. <laughs> <laughs> it's not him at all. Uh, okay, so let's ne- let's go to the next one. Our next one is Pasha, who then later becomes Strelnikov. So, who do we think for Pasha slash Strelnikov? Who would like to start? I'll start. Okay. Um, I was thinking kind of a a hybrid of the two versions we've seen the the original from the '60s and the Ginger from Love Actually in this one. Uh, 
Alfie Allen from uh, yeah. Game of Thrones and John Wick. I mean, he can he 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 can be kind of light and airy, you know, you know, like like a young kind of intellectual man, and then flip to just a cold bastard i think that's a really good choice i wouldn't have thought of that but you're yeah absolutely i'm watching game of thrones right now so <laughs> I agree. oh i just thought of another komarovsky <laughs> well, we, we we were recasting this whole dr Shivago with game of thrones and it's yeah. like <laughs> it's like this is almost too easy <laughs> i just thought of another komarovsky yeah. guys <laughs> billy bob thornton <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a russian accent and as you guys, may, I don't know if you guys know this, but we Canadians, we have a little bit of a, a beef with Billy Bob Thornton because he went on a radio show many years ago and said that we Canadians were like mashed potatoes without the gravy. So fuck him. But also it was on a Monsters mm. radio show. So also fuck him. Yeah, so <laughs> that's true. But uh, actually that makes a lot of sense because I love all things. In, I love all forms of potatoes and I do tend to love Canadians. So, you know, I'm going to count that as a compliment. Well, we love you too. Yay. <laughs> Izzy, do you have someone for Pasha? I gotta go with Steve's. The, like I said, we were talking about it, we were watching the original. The Game of Thrones casting, it was just so good. <laughs> yeah. Alright. Either Jason, that, who... or we'll go with the cast of Archer. So we'll make uh, Pasha... Hmm, let's see. Cyril, I Yeah, guess. Say Chris Parnell. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Parnell. Chris Parnell. That, yeah. Why do I gotta leave the Russian resistance? <laughs> it's a... It's a picture of a man <laughs> urinating on an AM on an FM radio and a color television. I like to think he had sex the night before and his urine go, is going into two different directions. Actually, actually and on, on the Game of Thrones track, I think it might be interesting uh, for Pasha to be played by uh, one Thomas Brody Sangster, who you might remember as Jojen Reed in uh, Game of Thrones. He's very young looking, and that might be an interesting take on, on Strelnikov to have him look relatively young and have this fucking massive scar on the side of his face. And plus, that, that guy's a pretty good actor, so uh, I like him a lot. So All right. Thomas Brody Sangster. My, my, my pick is going to be controversial in that I don't think it's very good, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mm-hmm. Martin Freeman. He's a little old. Don't care. Yeah, say. <coughs> Don't care. Maybe, maybe young. A scanned fifty-five-year-old Martin Freeman. He's not fifty-five. Pasha He's like forty. I've I've seen him flip the switch on his like. Now he's usually charming. I've seen him play that sort of uh, not intimidating, but kind of an edge to him. And I, I don't know. I think yeah, I think he'd be good. I'm, I'm putting Martin Freeman down. I'm putting my. Yeah, he's, he's definitely got the acting chops. I'm putting my. Foot uh, down. I'm going to throw out another controversial pick for Pasha. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Why not? <laughs> we have a 70 year old Pasha yeah. as Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just a little little bit of that digital de aging and stuff. But uh, you know, <laughs> I'm putting together a team. Sold. To now, stop the Russian Revolution, yeah, right. I, I, I am kind of curious. I wonder, right. what, I wonder what the total uh, 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 black population of Russia was in the Revolutionary Era. He'd be the one guy. I imagine. <laughs> Enough to have a drink named after him. Am I right? <laughs> All right. So we get to the last two of Yuri and Lara, and I'm going to say mine first because I've got it, and I don't want to forget them. Okay. And I paired them together because they're they're great together in movies. I'm going to say. <laughs> Playing the Russians, Yuri and Lara, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. Yeah, that's where we figured you were going. With that. <laughs> you and your, you and your Emma Stone thing. Yeah. Oh, 
bit of a stone thing too. <laughs> yeah, we all do. Oh, I'm a stone. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I. I mean, I was thinking again, Game of Thrones. Uh, I was thinking more of a, you know, Kit Harrington as Doctor Zhivago. That's eh, I don't know about that, but he definitely looked like Hans Matheson or whatever. That's, yeah, that's definitely in the Hans Matheson <laughs> vein for sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but absolutely, the girl has to be played by. Maisie Williams, a.k.a. Arya, because, I don't know, she's 14, and that's what we're talking about, right? <laughs> so was Emma Stone a long time ago. <laughs> I'm down with Maisie as a, as a little swarthier, Lara. I'm up for that. Yeah, we, we, we know she can be, like, you know, a, a girl growing up in her teen years, but then, you know... <laughs> through through events develops a callus that ends up with the killing of kings spoiler alert and <laughs> we know that she can both uh be a victim and be an instigator yeah well i would love the idea of her like in the party scene instead of trying to shoot Komarovsky, she just runs up on him with a knife and starts stabbing him in the side yeah. Says says the Lannister repays their debts. Wait. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you're. So that's your. So are you sticking with uh, Kit Harrington? No, no, no. Uh, we actually were thinking uh, Henry Cavill. Yeah, Henry Cavill would be a pretty good one. Not in Game Yuri. of Thrones, but we just thought he might make a good Yuri. Or Killian Murphy, those goddamn eyes. Yeah. Jason Momoa. Oh, Jason. Momoa. <laughs> yes, Cal Drago and the Arya Rock together at last. <laughs> Dr. Shindrago. <laughs> Vin Diesel. Victor. <laughs> Jason Momoa is Victor. V- Vin Diesel is Victor Komarovskovsky. <laughs> He's like, what is this be- What is this beautiful people land? <laughs> All right, hold up, guys. We're recasting this using only Fast and Furious actors and go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vin Diesel is Komarovsky. We've already established that. Michelle Rodriguez definitely is Lara. Yeah. Yeah, that means. Uh, that... I, don't know, I don't know. Gal Gadot was in that, right? That's yeah, true. she was. That's true. For an episode or two. As was Charlize Theron. And of course, Paul Walker is. Ooh. No, The Rock is yeah. Yuri. <laughs> the Rock and Jason Statham. All right. All right. Hold on. We got to finish this. Hasha is played by Jerule. Oh wait, wait. We got to finish the regular recasting first. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> Izzy, did you have someone in mind, or are you and Steve kind of in agreement there? I think we're in agreement. Okay, Jason, who do you got? Um, for Lara, I, I just because I love this actress, uh, I would love to see Cara Delevingne. Cara Delevingne? Delevingne, is yeah. that how you say it? Yeah, Ugh. I like her a lot, and I would just put her in anything. And then to play Zhivago, I don't think there's anybody you could pick to fill the shoes of Omar Sharif more than somebody like Rami Malek. Well, that's pretty good, actually. I think he's got the look. He's got the. Yeah, he's I got was the... actually thinking about it. Yeah, him. it's actually not bad. Okay. Yeah, in, in a big budget uh, modern uh, remake, he'd be the guy. Yeah. I was I was afraid you were gonna say uh, Dane DeHaan or whoever and recast for Valerian and I was just gonna be like all right I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, like uh, Remy Malik, uh, good for that. I I don't like I said I don't really care for him in the movie. He actually was acclaimed for, but that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that doesn't mean he's not a bad actor. You just didn't buy him in that role, correct? Uh, I had a lot of problems with that movie. <laughs> yeah, he was already in uh, Papillon. Yeah. In the uh, Dustin Hoffman role from the original, yeah, him and him and Charlie Hunnam and Papillon, check it out. I don't remember as much butt smuggling. In yeah. <laughs> also, another key thing: forty-five minutes shorter than <laughs> the miniseries Doctor Zhivago. All right, guys, we've recasted it. We've talked about it. Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, I think we'll just wrap it up here with our final thoughts on this uh, on this miniseries, and so and and I mean, I'm gonna ask the obvious question: if it's between this and the original, I know it's a miniseries, not a movie, but barring all restrictions, if it's between this and the original, I'm pretty sure we're all in agreement: the original on the list over this. If it's between this and beating yourself with a copy of the book, beat yourself with a copy of the book. <laughs> I, I I concur. Okay. Yeah. If you're a huge fan of the original Doctor Zhivago, you may enjoy the miniseries. It's a slightly different take. Um, it's gonna seem slow at times just because it's a miniseries, so it's dragged out. But that is really the only time I would recommend it. I mean, maybe watch it in two parts because maybe that's the secret. Because we watch, I, I I know you guys did, and I know we did. We watched it all in one shot, and maybe if we yeah. watched it in two parts, it wouldn't have been as as tough. Because it's obviously not intended to be watched yeah. as one uh, complete movie at, at in one sitting. I, I need to say about this movie, this movie is a perfect case example of why remaking good movies is a bad idea. Like, because it doesn't really add anything to what the original Dr. Zhivago film did. I understand if you want to remake something and take a different take on it, maybe take a different approach yeah. to setting or whatever. Do you whatever. want to, like, Dawn of the Dead it or something? Yeah, or if you want to treat it like Shakespeare and maybe change, like, the setting and do a different take on the story, that's great. But it's like, why remake something that's already good? I hate that Hollywood doesn't take, like, movies that have cool concepts that sucked and then remake them. Like, you could look, look at a million episodes of Mystery Science Theater that feature these terrible movies that have actually kind of neat premises that probably could be good movies if they had the right budget and talent attached. But no! We gotta remake fucking Dr. Zhivago. What are we gonna do? Remake Citizen Kane next? And fucking Overboard. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. And they're remaking movies that nobody asked for. We gonna remake break? My Father the Hero while we're at it? Let's do that too! <laughs> what uh, is that? The one with Michael Caine? No, that's Gerard Depardieu. It's one of the only movies in my life I've ever turned off in disgust. <laughs> <laughs> you have not seen enough bad movies, sir. That's true. I no, I'll tell you. everything I learned from movies at eilfm.podbean.com. I've turned off three movies in my life in disgust, and they were My Father the Hero, Batman and Robin, and oh. uh, 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 Feed. Which, oh. the, is it Brian De Palma? Or, no. No, the guy, the guy that directed The Lawnmower Man directed it, and it's about a guy that... that just, feeds fat women? He just feeds fat women until they get super fat and die and films it. So I got about 25 minutes into that before I was like, fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> the only movie I ever walked out of was a movie called Unaccompanied Minors. Go ahead, make your jokes. <laughs> mm. That doesn't sound like a Brandon move. <laughs> sure, <laughs> Uh, I regret this decision. <laughs> I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that was so, the one where, like, like, it was like a comedy where, like, kids were, like, taking over a mall or some stupid it was shit like, a, like that. Yeah, and, like, Lewis Black was in it for reasons. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, Lewis Black needs a paycheck just like anybody else. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's the movie. That's the yeah. miniseries. We talked a little bit about the movie. Um, I had clips, but I mean, I think it was just better to just talk about the movie. They don't need to hear them. <laughs> they don't need to hear them. So th that was that was it. Um, I want to thank Steve and Izzy for joining us. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you. And before you go, please plug your podcast. Oh, Steve, if I were to download a fantastic podcast talking about bad movies and good beer, where could I go? Oh, there's plenty of them out there, but I would personally recommend everything I learned from movies at eilfm.podbean.com and, of course, on all the podcatchers. Um, and if I were looking for incredible art, because, you know, birthdays and everything are coming up, where would I find some incredible 
like original art. Ooh, something maybe like movie related? Yeah. Yeah, you can find that at untidyvenus.etsy.com. That's a goddess who's bad at housekeeping.etsy.com. And I make cute movie art. I got a field guide to movie worms. I have movie monsters who love kittens. I've got Pokemon. All kinds of fun stuff over there. Isn't it incredible that I am your husband and I didn't know this fact about you? I know. You really should check your Facebook. Where was that website again? Untidyvenus.etsy.com. You should check your Facebook feed more often, babe. I really should. I love that that's like a running thing if you think about podcasts like it's like Jason even brought it up a few weeks ago that it's like it sounds like you're talking to the co-host like you say the same thing every week and they're just not clicking (laughs) (laughs) what are we doing here (laughs) why am I in your house wait we're on Twitter (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you know that or not that's sort of my character (laughs) Steve are we are we we recording this (laughs) Are we still? Oh wait, shit, we are. Wait, people can download this and listen to it. Shit! <laughs> I was sending, I was sending the files like, to my mom. I was wondering what that microphone was all about. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So again, thank you guys, and yes, go check out their podcast. It's funny. Absolutely, and we also have a very special guest. Um, is this going to be airing in July? Or uh, this is going to be airing in July. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Um, yeah, we're actually currently uh, celebrating the 007th month where we're talking James Bond movies. And uh, we actually have a wonderful guest from this, uh, what was the name of that podcast? Uh, what what were they thinking? Yeah, oh, Montrose Monkington. Yes, Montrose Monkington III and, uh, and his friend Brendan uh, are joining us to talk Moonraker. Moonraker. Wider than a mile. I don't want to blow up your spot too much, but I will say Moonraker, pigeon double take. Come on. Yes, I have a. I mean, more on that on our episode, that's for sure. (laughs) That was was the moment Steve was taking notes and said, circle, 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 (laughs) pigeon double take. If you want to hear why we think it might be the best James Bond film, tune in. Oh, boy. You might hear different opinions on that episode. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with laser. <laughs> Lasers? So, again, anyway. thank you guys very much. Thank you. Check out everything I learned from movies on your various podcatchers. Jason, they can find us on, on stuff, too. Yes. We're on can. podcatchers. We're on Podbean. We're at fourscreenandcountry.podbean.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also follow us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. Jason, you can follow on Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Where he talks about the Dr. Zhivago miniseries at length. Uh, I live tweeted uh, six times. Yeah, six times a day, even. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. 18 hours of your day. It's a long day, but I feel it's worth it. <laughs> 18 hours a day, and then you get six hours of sleep, start fresh the next That's right. day. <laughs> so check that out if you're interested. Um, but until that moment... Oh, fuck, I almost forgot to talk about next week. Yeah. Next week, we're talking about a sequel this time. A prequel? A prequel, I guess, yeah. I say sequel because it was later, but I guess it's a prequel. It's a prequel in the timeline. Uh, This is a prequel to number 31 on the list, which we covered previously. Zulu. We are doing the film Zulu Dawn. 1979. Featuring our old friend Bob Hoskins. And new friend Peter O'Toole. Oh. 
So check that out next week, Zulu Dawn. It's a little bit easier to find than the Dr. Zhivago miniseries. That's crazy. This is the first Peter O'Toole movie we've watched in the course of this podcast so far. Yeah, because we haven't even covered Lords of Arabia no, yet. No. <laughs> I think that might be the only one. Is that the only Peter O'Toole one on the be. list? Wow. Yeah. But Zulu Dawn, check that out. Come back. We'll be here. The gang's here. Me and Jason and our mausoleum. Holding it down. But until that, until next week, Jason, I just have to say, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I'm Brendan. I'm Jason. I'm Foreskin. And I'm Cunt Rag. <laughs> wow. That's how you end a podcast. These guys are professionals. <laughs> jo- Join us in a couple months when we come back for Wicker Man. <laughs> Woo! How do you get scared we exist in the matrix i'm jaslyn and i'm bad at ad living <laughs> and you're listening to high, high expectations, expectations the promo for our international listeners you can appreciate our cute new zealand accents for our local listeners you might bump into us in the street three times in the same hour our podcast is about pop culture sexuality relationships interesting hobbies banter and ragging on each other you can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Pocket Casts, Podcast Addict, or anywhere you might like to find podcasts. Yay! Please subscribe. Goodbye! Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games. Mm-hmm. Music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. Ah, yes. I am the master storyteller (laughs) of the podcast realm. (laughs) Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucker. Hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say. Ah. Ah. Ah.